Section 23 of Nuggets of the New Thought. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Read by Jennifer Fournier, Marshall, Virginia, USA. Nuggets of the New Thought by William Walker Atkinson. Life. There is in each of us a potential something for expression. The something within. The plant of life. No use trying to repress it, for develop it must. Life has a meaning. Growth, development, and unfoldment. The lesson of life. There is in each of us a potential something, pressing forth for expression and growth in the direction of ultimate good, casting off sheath after sheath in its progressive development and unfoldment impelled by the impulse imparted by the primal cause, attracted upward by the absolute. Failing to understand this impulse of the growing something, seeking relief from its steady pressure, we look upon it as an intruder, and instead of allowing it to develop and grow naturally, we endeavor to kill it, or to train its growth after our own petty notions. We fail to see that this something is like unto the plant which grows on steadily and surely from seed to blossom until its potentialities are fully expressed. We do not realize that this plant of life should be allowed to grow as does the lily, freely and without restraint, unfolding leaf after leaf until the plant stands in its complete beauty, crowned with its divine flower. We would train the plant into some fantastic shape, Dwarf it as the Chinese do the oak, that it may become the pretty ornament of the parlor instead of the noble monarch of the forest. We would have it grow our way, not according to the law of its being. We fancy that we know what is best for it, losing sight of the fact that deep down in the subconscious depths of its being reposes that which directs its every effort toward the good. Forgetting that its attraction toward the absolute is drawing it steadily and irresistibly in the right direction. We forget that the plant will fulfill these impulses so long as there remains in it one atom of life. The seed in the ground will express itself in its little shoot, often moving weights a thousand times heavier than itself in its efforts to reach the rays of the sun. The sapling may be bent and confined to the ground, but its branches, following the laws of its being, will instinctively shoot upward. Restrict the growth of the plant if you can, but nevertheless, it will move along the lines of least resistance and grow toward the sun, in spite of your efforts. And so it is with the plant of life, the something within us. We are afraid to allow it to grow according to the laws of its being, but wish to model it and shape it in accordance with the theories of ourselves or others, more frequently the latter, for most of our ideas on the subject are borrowed. We seem to imagine that the intelligence that thought the plant into existence did not understand its business, and we are afraid that without the assistance of our mighty intellect, the poor thing will grow into a misshapen and unsightly thing. We would alter the shape designed by its maker, and would twist it into the form approved of by the passing fashion of the hour. We would substitute for the beauty and symmetry of nature our own fantastic ideas of form. 
But, like the plant, this something of ours will not submit to the confining bonds, will not conform to the false standards which we would set up for it. Submitting as long as it must, it stores up reserve strength day by day and keeps up a continuous, steady pressure in the direction of its desire. And some day, by a supreme effort, it throws off the interfering obstacles and obeying the laws of its being again grows toward the sun. Life is growth. It moves along, pressing this way and that way, along the lines of least resistance, drawing to itself that which it needs for its complete expression and growth, using this thing and that thing today, and discarding them tomorrow, after they have served their purpose, after their helpful qualities have been extracted. It assumes many forms in its growth, discarding sheath after sheath as outgrown. Any attempt to compel it to retain a sheath which has become outgrown, will cause its life nature to revolt, and in the end, with a mighty effort, it will burst forth, tearing the confining sheath into fragments. This something may be restrained temporarily, but its growth is as sure as the rising of tomorrow's sun, and its attempted restraint only results in the end in a violent assertion of its right to unfold and develop according to law. When we finally come to realize that life has a meaning, that we are here for a purpose, that the process of spiritual evolution is being expressed in us and through us, that our growth is in accordance with law, that the Absolute understands its business, then will we cease to attempt to meddle with the great plan. We will then cease our futile efforts to mold to our absurd and arbitrary shapes that which is intended to grow in the beautiful form of nature's designing. We will realize that the power which called into being this life of ours knew just what it was about, that this power placed within that life the energy which is expressing itself in changing form and color, but which has but one real object, growth toward the sun. And when we realize this truth, we will begin to have faith and will trust the law to do that which is best to be done. We'll realize the folly of imagining that the weight of the universe rests upon our shoulders. Some of these days we will awaken to the fact that ours is the conceit of the fly resting upon the mighty revolving wheel, imagining that the fanning of his wings causes the wheel to revolve. Some of these times the fly, tired with its exertions, will stop to rest for a few moments, when it will find that the wheel continues to revolve quite well, thank you, without its active assistance. We have been taking our little selves quite seriously indeed. The something within is moving steadily and surely toward its goal, and much of the pain of life comes to us by reason of our efforts to restrict it, our efforts to change its motion, direction, speed, it is a mighty aid to those who understand and move along with it. But woe unto those who get in its way and endeavor to obstruct its progress. If unobstructed, there is no friction. If interfered with, it manifests friction, which means pain. This pain is the notice given to us by the law to the effect that we are obstructing the growth of the life plant, 
and, if we are wise, we will heed the warning. By conforming to the growth, we will find that there is little or no friction, and life begins to take on new pleasures. By cooperating with the law and moving along with it, we will find that things will come our way in a most unexpected manner. The law is a good friend and helper, and is of the greatest assistance to us, if we but trust it to do its work well, in its own good way. We can use its growing force to aid us in our daily pursuits, if we will trust it and move along with it. But we must heed the first sign of friction and understand that we are in some way interfering with its natural growth. By living in accordance with the law, instead of attempting to oppose it, we will find that we are guided in the direction of places, people, and occupations best suited to develop us and to impart to us the experience needed to round out our lives. A realization of this fact, by those who've experienced it, has given rise to the saying, nothing ever happens. We find the teachers and helpers that we require, and they find us. If we need certain information, we will find it in some person or book, and will thus be placed upon the track of that which we seek. The law will sometimes accomplish its results in ways far different from that which we would have supposed to be the best. But after time has passed, we can look back and will see that the way by which the results were accomplished was the best possible under all the circumstances. We may meet with some bitter disappointments, losses, sorrows, but in the end these things will be seen as good, will be seen as having been necessary to give us the experience needed, to round out our characters, to enable us to understand. There are none who would be willing to part with the experience gained from even the most painful events of their lives. After, say, ten years have elapsed, no man would be willing to have the memory and recollection of his greatest pain eradicated if, at the same time, he would have to part with the experience and knowledge which have come to him by reason of that pain. The pain and its resulting experience have become a part of us, and we are not willing to be robbed of our own. And we will realize, in looking backward, that if we had been living in accordance with the law in the past, if we had understood its workings, these very sorrows, disappointments, losses, would have been considered only in view of their ultimate good, and the very sting of the pain would thus have been removed. When we learn to regard the pain of today as we do the pain of ten years ago, we may feel that we are beginning to understand something of the operation of the law of good. And when we reach this stage, we will find that the pain is no longer pain, but only a form of good. When we cease to cause friction, friction no longer exists for us. The lessons of life must be learned, sooner or later. It depends upon us whether they shall be forced upon us in spite of our resistance, with much pain, or accepted by us, understandingly, with knowledge. In one case, we will have the pain which comes from opposing the law. In the other, we will learn the lesson equally well, without the pain of the birching. The lesson must be well learned in either case. Choose your method. Now, 
I do not wish to be understood as meaning that we should simply fold our hands and wait for the law to bring all things to us, without any labor on our part. Try this way, though, if you like, and see how quickly the law will wrap you over the knuckles to remind you that a task is set before you. The proper way is to take up the task that lies nearest your hand, and some task is always there, and do it well, with the knowledge that the task has been placed there in accordance with the law. If the task is not to your liking, you will know that that is the very reason that it has been placed before you. You have a lesson to learn from it. When the time comes for a change, you will find a strong desire for something else full-grown within you. Now is your chance. Trust to the law to aid you in working out your desire. The desire is there in accordance with the law. Its very existence is a promise of its fulfillment. With the aid of the law, you will work out your desire. It is true that when you attain the object of your desire, it may not be just what you had thought it, may not be at all what you want. Well, what of that? You have learned the necessary lesson, have lived out the desire, and will now outlive it. Something else will take its place, and you will be surprised at the way that the law has brought about the accomplishment of your desire. You will learn another lesson in this. When you have learned to work on, merrily, doing your best, living out each day's life with faith and trust, confidence and fearlessness, accepting the development of each day as meaning ultimate good, seeing and feeling that the law of good is in full operation, being willing to accept whatever it may bring you, then, and not until then, good friend, will you begin to know what is life. End of section 23